in the book of Matthew chapter 2. As that beautiful little girl just read for us, um, we're going to be focusing on uh, that passage there in Matthew chapter 2 verses um, 16 um, through 18. But let me give you a small amount of context here. Um, Jesus has been born. He's probably now um, about six months old or so. And we see this visit now of what are called the wise men. These wise men believe they come from the east. A lot of them believe they were probably Persian in nature. Um, We don't know how many of them there were. Um, Christian tradition has in the Middle Ages begun to call them kings. Um, We created songs that many people believe are theologically sound, like We Three Kings. Um, Because they gave three gifts, um, there's this assumption by many people in kind of Christmas folklore that there were three of them, but honestly, we do not know. It's believed that these men um, were not Jewish, that they were actually Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. This is a gathering of Gentiles here this morning. Um, And it was believed as well that they were probably pagan worshipers, that they may have worshipped another god or they worshipped many gods. Um, It is believed as well that they were extremely and highly intelligent. The astronomy and astrology, which went hand in hand during this time together, Uh, that it was believed that these men were astrologers and that they were into astronomy and that they uh, were probably mathematicians and inventors. So (laughs) the complete polar opposite of me. (laughs) And so um, they did these things and they heard that the long-awaited, supposedly Savior of the world was born in Bethlehem. And they decided... Um, or were comp- compelled now to go and to find this birth child, this specific holy child. And in doing so, they thought, well, we will go to the palace in Galilee, speak to the self-appointed king there, and surely he will know where this baby is born and located. And so they go to the palace. When they go to the palace, there's a Again, a self-appointed king who is in control of this area of Galilee. And uh, he is not Jewish, and yet he is constantly trying to embed himself into Jewish life and kind of make them happy so they will worship him. And so the scripture tells us that it was during the time of, or in the days of Herod the king. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand very quickly this morning is this. Is God's glory is always invading a world filled with tragedy. That these characters that we see here in these passages are, yes, evil. They're men of sin, Satan, and death. And yet God and His glory are colliding with great tragedy. See, Herod was really interesting. He was beloved by many. There's a great study, I wish we had time to do this morning, called the Herodian. It was this huge palace. He made a mountain. He had literally slaves come and get dirt from way off and dump it enough to build a mountain. And on top of that mountain, he placed his palace called the Herodian, which was so big, it literally cast a shadow on the city of Bethlehem. This man was putting roads and 
created these major pools and all, all sorts of this lavish lifestyle. But the thing about Herod during this time was that he as well was crazy. This man, this King Herod was insane. And this is a part of the Christmas story that we have a tendency to forget and to separate ourselves from the, what was really happening in that culture when Jesus was born. King Herod, he declared himself the king of the Jews, and though he was progressive in many ways, he was literally insane. He was nuts. He was completely consumed with his own power, his own wealth, and his own prestige. Um, at one time, he had his, his own brother-in-law um, drowned. But not to be outdone, he, he also had his mother-in-law killed. But not to be outdone with that, he also had his wife killed. And then he had his three sons killed because he felt threatened by them that they would come and overtake his throne. This is the man, King Herod, that these wise men have come to find out where is the true king? Where is the king and the savior of the world? Where is this, this child that the prophets have spoke about for years and years and years? Surely Herod would know this. And so these wise men come to this king believing that this king would also celebrate with them the birth of this child. So Herod tricks them. And ask them to find out where the baby is being born. And then to come tell him. So that he would know. And so that ultimately, Herod could have Jesus killed. See, this man, Herod, wanted nothing to do with any sort of opposition. Any sort of thing that would come against his kingdom and his economics and his stature. He wanted people to worship him. This man was so crooked and so insane that when he was nearing death and that he knew that he was soon going to die, he had people go out into Galilee and to capture all of these uh, prestigious Jewish people and citizens. The citizens that people looked up to in the Jewish culture. And he had them imprisoned. And on the day that he was dying, he decreed in all of the land or amongst his, his governing officials that he knew that there would not be any mourning when he died. And so he decreed that those people, those citizens who were captured by him, on the day that he would die, that they would brutally kill them so that he could guarantee that there would be weeping in Jerusalem on the day of his death. This is not a sane man. This is a crazy man. A, a puppet king, a puppet dictator who has edified himself to this position believing that he himself is above God Almighty. See, when Jesus came, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't come into a plush climate and a plush situation on the earth the context at which he came was tragic it was deathly it was ill and upon hearing that these wise men did not come and tell him where Jesus was born then he declares as he says here in verse 16 then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men became 
furious and he sent and killed all male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So in this, he, he can't find out where this king, this baby king is, this Messiah that is to come has been has been born. And so what does he do? He decrees to all of the land that every boy, every male child, two and under, be slaughtered. That they would be killed. And ladies and gentlemen, it happened. See, we forget in the, in the midst of, of all of the lights and boys and girls, all of the presents and, and all of the stockings and, and all of the foods and all of those things. Then in that Christmas season, in the first year of Jesus' life, hundreds, if not thousands, of little boys lost their lives. Now I've experienced just losing a kid for a few minutes. And I can't imagine losing them forever. To having them brutally taken, that child that is sitting next to you, brutally peeled away from your arms and taken from you or murdered in front of your very arms. Merry Christmas! That is the season and the context and the horrific idea of what is transpiring when our Lord and Savior comes to this place. He is coming to a place that is filled with tragedy, that is once again rejecting their very Creator and killing off hundreds if not thousands of little boys simply because a baby has been born who is going to change everything. See, ladies and gentlemen, the second thing that I want you to understand this morning that we can see from this passage is not only did Jesus in God's glory invade that world and that tragedy, but God's glory this Christmas as well reminds us that He also, it also, collides with our tragedy. Let's face it. You guys know I got a black belt and keeping it real. And 2014 in so many ways has been a, an amazing year. However, culturally, and for even those some of us in this room, it has been a year of great loss. In, in my years, 36 years of being alive, and I'm not talking about just wartime situations, this has been one of the most chaotic, violent, and tragic years in the life of humanity during this time. I mean, if you pay much attention to what's going on in the news, if you pay much attention to what's happening locally and nationally and globally, what do we see? We still see great 
tragedy. We see great unrest within the world. Just a few things. In this last year, we saw the, the rise of ISIS, a, a group of Muslim extremists bent on killing religious minorities, uh, subjugating women, uh, leveling villages, and beheading hostages, including children. Without remorse, like it's second nature, that it's entertainment for them. In 2014, we saw several schoolgirls be kidnapped, forced to convert to an extreme Muslim sect, and sold into marriage and sex slavery. We, all, we had airplanes being shot out of the sky. We had airplanes that we still can't find. Just last week, a hundred children at a military school in Pakistan were brutally killed. We had the scare and the threat of the Ebola virus in West Africa that has put the world um, on edge. In this last year, we are more than ever struggling to find what marriage is and what gender is. While here in America, immigration is still a major issue as young children are flooding, flooding into the borders, um, the southern borders, all by themselves, sent here by their parents. We have sports stars that are often looked at as celebrities and heroes um, abusing their wives and abusing their children. There's a major tension in our country right now between our races. We have a broken government. We have senseless acts of violence. And, and no matter where you land on these issues, we should all be able to say as believers that what has happened in these cases is dark, pointless, and sad. Yesterday, I don't know about your Twitter feed and the news feed lit up. As a gentleman, I believe that he was in Baltimore, gets mad at his ex-girlfriend, goes to his ex-girlfriend's house, and he shoots her and wounds her. Then he gets on social media and begins to, to blast policemen and begins to downgrade policemen and, and says that you know, he's going to put them in body bags or cover them in blankets and calls them pigs and all this sort of stuff. And he drives across the bay there into New York City and in New York City finds two policemen who are believed to be um, on some probably dinner break or lunch break, but they're, they're sitting in their police car and this gentleman walks up to them and executes them in their cars. Walks into a subway, train station, and shoots himself in the chest. This is the world that we live in. These are the tragedies, many of which that we know, and so many more that we don't know. And yet, we live in a world filled still with great tragedy and calamity and pain and suffering. For many of you this year, as you're looking toward Christmas, there's been difficulty. You have lost loved ones. You have experienced sickness. You have really struggled with a lot of different things within your life. And ladies and gentlemen, if you get anything this Christmas, 
you need to understand and get that Jesus is with you in the midst of that tragedy. That as His glory is colliding with that tragedy and that suffering in our lives and in this world, that that Jesus was with those families 2,000 years ago, and that same God, that same Son, that same Holy Spirit is, is with us in all of these situations as well. His glory is just not distant from us, but His glory is present with us. I'm so thankful today and so thankful this Christmas to remind it that God is, is not far from us, but God is with us. And ladies and gentlemen, whatever tragedy you are experiencing, whatever suffering that you may be going through, the great losses of your lives, please do not turn your fist toward the Almighty God, but simply rest in the knowledge and knowing that He is with us. The last thing that I want you to get this morning is glory colliding with tragedy is best seen in the cross. See, God Himself, Jesus Himself, is, is not just a, a part or a, a seeing tragedy from a distance, but has experienced great tragedy Himself. God's glory is, is shining brightest and we see this perfect kind of symmetry taking place between God's glory and the tragedy of sin, Satan, death. We see it no greater than we see that in the cross of our Lord. I, I, I contend to you today that the tree of Christmas is not the one decorated with lights and, and ornaments and with presents all around. The true and better tree of Christmas is an old rugged cross covered in blood and the present is nailed upon it. His name is Jesus. See, I love Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. But we can't get so idolized into Christmas that we don't understand that it's pushing us to the cross. He was born so that He could die. The most evil, tragic, sinful, dark thing that could happen on this planet was the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was nailed to that bloody, nasty, used cross. And as He became our sin, He took upon our sin. He absorbed our sin. He died that death that we should have died. And so Christmas, though great and beautiful and magic, the magical idea of Christmas is that it's pointing to a cross. That Jesus didn't stay a baby. But that Jesus became a man. And that Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. And so Christmas is awesome because the resurrection of our Lord and Savior is awesome. The crucifixion of our Jesus is awesome. And that is the presence as we see this dark, dark thing happening. And yet the Bible tells us, I believe in the book of Hebrews, that it was the joy set upon Him. That He took upon the cross. That is where glory, tragedy meet in an unbelievable, eternal purpose. 
As we see in the book of Genesis, in the story of Joseph, Joseph, as what you meant for evil, he tells his brothers. God, what? Meant it for good. Was what happened to Joseph evil? Yes, he's not lessening it. It was evil. It was tragic. It was dark. It was deadly. And yet, God meant it for good. We see this in the book of Romans in verse or chapter 8 where he says all things work for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Um, we see this Jesus even says you will have tribulations in this time and on this earth, but take heart. Ah, Jesus has overcome the world. We see this in the book of Revelation as there's great calamity and there's great tragedy that is being described of events taking place there. And yet what does Jesus do? Jesus comes back not as a peasant king, not as a homeless man, not as a man that is rejected, but Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, is not coming back as little baby Jesus in a manger with a halo. Jesus is coming back King of kings riding a white horse with, with tattoos on his legs, carrying, carrying a sword, and is coming back to get his children and to restore this earth. So in the midst of your great tragedy, in the midst of your great pain, in the midst of your great sorrow and suffering, in the midst of wondering, man, what is happening in this world? May you know today, that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one and only, is here. And He has not forsaken us. But in the midst of that tragedy, in the midst of that sorrow, may we long for heaven even more. May we long for healing even more. May we long for a perfected earth even more. May it be today, this day, that Jesus restores us and gives us hope even in the midst of great tragedy. If you would, I would ask that you'd stand with me today. In just a few moments, we're going to have a time of response. And in this time of response, a few things. We have, we've placed some candles in your seats. Parents, uh, you know whether or not your child can handle a candle or not. All right, so use your best judgment or we're about to embarrass your family. All right, I'm joking. You use your best judgment with your child or children. But our heartbeat today is we close out this Advent season for us and as we anticipate this coming week's events, may we always remember a singular focus. And that is that Jesus is the light of the world. That God's glory shines brightest in the person and work of Jesus. And the story of the Magi tell us that the Gospel 
was not just for some uh, Jewish shepherds or a Jewish family, but that the Gospel was also for some, some pagan Gentile people. And that the, the light of the Gospel and the light of Christmas is something that is not to be simply given in a culture or something that we are simply to take in a culture that has made this season all about what you get. But this reminds us today that the Gospel, the light of the world, the glory of Jesus is something that is to be shared with one another. And so today, in just a few moments, we're going to light candles. We're going to sing some Christmas songs today. We've got uh, some guys that are going to be uh, administering the elements of communion. If you're a believer in this room today, we encourage you to partake in communion. Um, if you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus, as Scripture says, we ask that you not um, partake today. Uh, but this is for believers today as we remember what Christ has done as it, and as we also look forward to His swift, swift return. So if you would, bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You, God, for this day. And as God, we light these candles in this room today. We pray, Jesus, that You would be exalted we pray, Jesus, that we would be the light of the world. That we would be like a city that is placed on a hilltop, Lord, that cannot be hidden. Lord, as a small child, we used to sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. Lord, may we never hide it under a bushel. Lord, may we always be proclaiming the light of this glory to people. Lord, our world needs you, Jesus. These tragic events, these suffering children, these suffering parents... The suffering of even the people in this room who have lost loved ones, God. May they see and know Your glory in this place. And may they be reminded of, Father, Your grace and Your mercy today. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. May You come again, Lord Jesus. May You save us from this wicked world. But until then, may we be the ambassadors of the Gospel as we proclaim the only true message in the world, the message of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.